Well, it's, it's a real joy to be here today with you. I'm representing and bringing greetings from my family, my wife Jen and our three kids. They would have loved to make the trip, but flying in on Friday, just gone, and leaving back Wednesday, it was just a bit too far for a short trip. But uh, uh, they send greetings to you. I'm also representing... Um, my sending organization, Surge. Surge is a sewing term that talks about two rough pieces of fabric being sewn together to a smooth seam. It's kind of like what mission is, right? Our lives are, are kind of rough. And we're sent into a world that has a lot of rough edges. And God's grace meets us and we get to share that with others. And that's what he's all about. So representing Surge, and most of all, I'm representing a, uh, a small church plant in London with an English-stroke Indian name. It's called New Life Swartasungit. In Gujarati, the, one of the languages that, that the people speak from a part of India, Swarta means gospel or good news, and Sangit means community. So we're the New Life Gospel Community. And I know you're thinking, that really, I can really see this, you know, kind of big white dude from Pennsylvania with an American accent still after 20 years in Britain. Uh, you know, London, but people with roots from India, sort of Brentwood, California. Yeah, it all makes sense. Yeah, in God's universe it does. He's, he's bringing us together in amazing ways. And uh, I, I bring greetings from... Uh, our friends there, uh, the dear brothers and sisters, and we've partnered on many uh, trips that you guys have brought people to, to be with us. And so I bring greetings from Deepak and Aruna and Manju and Kanchan and Pashottam and Ria and, and John and Sharon and many others. So they, they send their love and their greetings. And, and if you're just wondering why, why a church with an Indian name in London... Well, you know, the UK and London especially is one of the most multicultural places in the whole world. And, and there's, there's more than four million people from South Asian backgrounds in the UK. And in our neighborhood, many people from, with Gujarati roots. And so some of those um, friends are, are followers of Jesus. And God brought them together with some of us that aren't from that background, but we love Jesus and gave us a vision to start a, a church where uh, we're living out the good news in a way that tries to just be real, that we don't have to check our cultural identity at the door in order to come and follow Jesus. He says, come as you are. And we're trying to live that out in our small ways. It's not a, there's not many of us, you know, 30, 40 people on a, a Sunday, including kids. But God's doing some neat stuff. I'd love to, to tell you more about that tomorrow night. But now we're going to, to turn to our, our text, and uh, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, and you can turn there if you want, and, and just before we get to, to chapter 5, Jesus has started his public ministry, and he's, he's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, and he says, I'm here, God's kingdom is here. And I hear you've been talking about kingdoms here, about regalia, all things to do with the kingdom. And you've been talking about Saul, and you've been talking about David. 
And I know you've been learning that really it's not about the kingdom of Saul or David. It's about the kingdom of, of God and, and the king that's going to be coming. And now that king, a thousand years after where you've been in Scripture, where today, a thousand years later, Jesus has come. And he's saying, I'm, I'm God himself. I'm here. And my kingdom is coming. And all sorts of things are, are happening. And people are getting healed. And, and, he's, and he's casting out demons from people. And he's, he's preaching about the good news of the kingdom. And he gathers 12 of his followers on this hillside in chapter 5. And beyond that, we have the crowds pressing in too. Some of them probably already believing as well. Some not. Wondering, what is this? what's going on? And Jesus begins to teach them. And these are amazing words in chapters 5 through 7. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And, and all sorts of people throughout history have, have looked at these words and said amazing words of peace from Jesus. Even Gandhi, the father of modern India, he said, Christ's Sermon on the Mount fills me with bliss even today. Its sweet verses have even today the power to quench the agony of my soul. That's amazing. But we need to remember that Jesus is speaking first to his church on that mountain. He's speaking to his followers. His family. His new Jesus family. Not his biological family. His Jesus family. And he's saying, look... Uh, this is the vision of what life in, my, life in my family is going to look like. This is the blueprint. And we know if we keep reading, he's going to make it very clear that this life is not possible without my death for you, my resurrection for you, my spirit coming into you to empower you to live like this family. But this is what it's going to look like because I'm going to do all that for you. And it's a good life in this family. And it's a vision of how we're designed to thrive. Beautiful. Chapters 5 through 7. But then in the middle of that, he gets up and he says these words. You are the light of the world. A town built on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives life Light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What's Jesus saying here? Well, my, my friend Barry in London, I'm, I can't always, often think of good illustrations. He gave me a great illustration, and I'm stealing it. He said, take it. And, and it's reminded us about... Uh, the Thai boys that got trapped in the, in the cave in June. Did you hear about that story? These, this football team, they, they went into a cave and two miles in and then the rains came and they got trapped. And it was dark. Can you imagine being two miles under the earth? I don't even want to think about it. Confined in a small space total darkness. If you read about total darkness, I did, you lose all sense of time, the isolation, the fear. You know, are we ever going to get out of here? We know the end of the story now, but they didn't. 
for nine days. And then all of a sudden, see this picture. Uh, a diver, rescue divers, come out of the water and light shines on them. And these rescue divers are from Britain, by the way. <laughs> Got to get that in there. That's not important to the story, but they, they shine their, their light. And they said, how are you, the 15 of you? Brilliant! You're all alive. And it's this moment of just amazing joy. You know, they didn't expect to find them alive. But they found them alive. And the light was there. And what Jesus is saying here is, that, that helps us understand what, what's, what's he saying in these verses. He's implying that the whole world is trapped in darkness. In a serious life and death darkness like those boys were. And he's going to say that, in, that, that he, Jesus, is the rescue light that comes out of the water to take them from a point of death to life. But then more than that, he's saying in these verses, we as his followers of, that are huddled around us, straggling imperfect people that we are often, I'm speaking about me first, we are part of that light that reaches into the dark world and brings people from death to life. And that's what we're going to see today. But as we say that, those are massive statements and, and uh they raise all sorts of questions. And we gotta, we got to call those out because they're going to be asked. Jesus, are you really saying that the whole world is somehow in darkness facing death? What about all the knowledge and goodness? And the different thinking of our friends that, that have other faith backgrounds or, or don't believe in any God at all. What about, it's all darkness? Jesus, are you really saying that your light, your good news, is the only path leading from death to, to life? Your good news about your death and resurrection for us? What about the perspective of so many of our friends that kind of, uh, uh, so many of our friends in London and elsewhere that sort of see the world as a, as a mountain with God at the top? And, and there's many ways to summit that mountain, many paths. And yes, Jesus is one great path. He's not a wrong path. But there's other paths that will safely get us to the top of the mountain. Jesus, are you, you're the only path? Isn't that a bit arrogant? Jesus, are you really saying that your family, your church, are part of the light that leads from death to life? I mean, are you kidding me? Just look around. I mean, no offense, no offense, but... You know, sometimes it seems like there's as much mess and darkness in the church that there is outside in the world. Are you a bit delusional here, Jesus? These are all questions that are being asked. You might not be asking them, but your friends might be, or maybe you are too. And it's okay to ask those questions. We won't fully answer them today exhaustively, but it's okay to ask them. And if you want to talk about it, talk with me. I'll, I'll be happy to talk with you. I'm here till Wednesday or talk to some of the leaders of the church here. We'd love to talk to you about these questions. But today we're just going to focus on this statement. You are the light of the world, he says. And there's a who, there's a how, and there's a, a where. And first, the who. As followers of Jesus, 
Who are we? We are light. Being gospel light is part of our core identity. Core identity is the essence of who we are. It's who we are, not just what we do. Like, I am a son. That's my identity. Now, on, on Father's Day, I may ring my dad or, or WhatsApp or FaceTime him or something, but, but that's something I do as a son. But, but my identity as a son, who I am as a son, follows me around throughout the year, not just on that day when I'm doing that, the tasks of Father's Day. And what Jesus is saying here is that being light before a watching world, existing for the sake of others in the world, is part of the essence of who we are as his people. He finds us in the dark. He draws us into the light. He cleans us off. And then he says, turn and says, look, I love you, my children, but I love people out there. And my plan is for you to be part of the light that draws the people out there into my light as well. There was an uh, archbishop of Canterbury about 100 years ago named William Temple. And he said it this way, the church is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. Do that, is that what we see ourselves as as being at the core of who we are today. And this idea of being a, a people that are called by God to exist for others, this isn't a new, a new thing. It wasn't like Jesus just pulled this out of his hat on that mountainside in Matthew chapter 5. That's been the plan from the beginning, you know. God created a perfect world. And then his world rebelled against him. And, and it's bent and broken and there's darkness everywhere and tragedy everywhere and physical and spiritual and social and all sorts of brokenness. And, and then he starts to reveal our loving creator God reveals his plan to bring his light into the world so that everything that's bent and broken becomes straight and whole again. And that plan centers on finding some people who are in the darkness and pulling them out of the darkness and blessing them, and, and giving his grace to them, and saying, now, my plan is for you to live out my light before the nations. So the nations see what a good and righteous God I am. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, where he's talking about the people keeping his decrees and his laws. And he's already rescued them. Grace has got them to that point. Not, not what they've done, how good they are. They're a messy group of people, but grace has saved them. And now he's explained to them, what does it look like to love me and to love each other? And you're going to live this way by my power. And, 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 and it's going to be a, a wonderful, wise, and understanding way to live. And you're going to thrive. But look, you're doing it in front of an audience. And it says in this verse that you're going to, the people, you're going to live out my law in the sight of the peoples. And when they hear all these statutes, they will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. But then what the, why would they say that? They're going to say that because uh, they're going to say, what's going on here? How, how is this possible? Uh, I like what I see. And then the people are going to introduce them to the God that makes what they see possible. 
So we're a people who exist, not just for us, but for others. And there's a challenge, and there's a blessing in that reminder. First, the challenge. Well, why is it a challenge? I mean, you know, I, I know that we're not talking about anything new. Many of you, if you follow Jesus, and, and this church has 50 plus mission partners around the world. Amazing. And what you're doing locally in the communities here in, in Antioch and Brentwood, it's amazing. I'm humbled to see how God is at work in and through you here locally. Am I, am, are we just saying this to the choir? Well, not, not literally, obviously, right now. But, but there, you know, there, there, in a sense, we're not. It's a challenge because there is no choir. There's just people like you and me. And I don't know about you, but I can speak from my experience. You know, understanding our core identity being for to shine light to others is what took me halfway around the world 20 years ago. And, uh, and my life has been changed because of that. But I don't get up every day and look in the mirror and think, Matt... You exist today to shine light. Let's go shine today. Did you say that in the mirror this morning when you got up? This perspective leaks out of us, doesn't it? And there's a lot of moving pieces in this world, at work, at school, at home, our corporate life as a church, big groups, small groups, It's so easy to get caught up in all of this and miss the point. To forget who we are. So we need a reminder. And Western culture right now doesn't help us. There's so much good in in, in, in what's going on. And it's not completely broken. but, But it screams at us often. You know, life is really about you. So make it about you. It's all about you. And this happens in a, in a lot of different ways. And I don't want to pick on social media. You know, it's a, it's a great thing, even for people like me that aren't natives in it yet. Uh, my kids are, but I'm not. It can be a great communication tool, right? It's fun. But, but there's a piece of it. Do you ever stop and think? It, it kind of makes all of us actors in our own films. And, and then we produce and... And we distribute the films, right? And so I'm constantly getting like mini films with, about people's lives where they're the actor at the center of the life. And, and when you, that's happening, it can't help but sometimes mess with our mind and think, maybe it is all about us. And we need a reminder. And, uh, and sometimes we take this with us when we sing our songs. And there's amazing songs like... The song, Good, Good Father. Do you, you sing that song, I'm a good, good father. Um, it's, who, it's who he is. And that's true. And I'm loved by him. It's who I am. It's who we are. We're loved by him. That's true. Thank God that's true. Or what are we doing here? If we don't know that we're loved by a good God, as we talked about in the song today, a different song, I'm just learning. Uh, we're loved by the Father in heaven who loves us and comes and welcomes us into his his throne room, and, and makes us part of his family. And we need to know that, right? That's who we are. But it's not the only thing who we are. We are also light for others. 
and being loved by God and being light for others are both part of our core identity. One thing isn't more core than the other. But because of the way we're bent in on ourselves often, we forget the light part. And we need to hold those two things together. So we need those reminders. And being, being light, not just doing light, means this is not about just putting on our, our light shoes for, for when we're doing our, our, our light things sometimes. And we're, we're shining now. And then I take those shoes off and I go do other good tasks in the church. Being light is something that follows me around in everything I do for God in life. All areas of our lives. And it's counterintuitive to often the way we think. But this, this, is a, this is a challenge, I said. But it's also a tremendous encouragement. Why? Because as Jesus gathers his followers on that mountainside, you know, the, the fishermen... The, the, uh, the political zealots and the tax collectors and this small group of people. And as he gathers us, and, and we have to be re- reminded of this in London because we're a lot smaller when we gather. And so sometimes the world seems really big and it's like, how can we shine light? Are we really light? We, we have to hear him saying to us that, my, 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 my followers, I'm the king. And the great king of the universe has now made, made us his kids. But he's also gave us, given us the privilege, the identity of bearing his glory before the world. The great king. We get to be close to him. And then we get to turn. And we, need to, we get to take him into the world and then bear that glory. And it doesn't matter who we are. If we're in Jesus, if we're part of his church, then we get to do that. We get to be that. It doesn't matter what kind of house we own or don't own or rent or don't rent, flat or apartment. It doesn't matter what neighborhood we're born into. Women, men, young, old, married, single, what you've studied, what you've not studied, what you work you do or don't do, it doesn't matter because you've been brought into the family and you and I get the glory of bearing the light of Jesus. And that is a privilege. That is a great, that's the most honorable thing he could have done to us. As honorable as making us his kids. It's all tied up together. And this happens in all sorts of ways. In, in, in our community in London, one of the ways that it happens is by many of our friends in, in our church just saying, I follow Jesus. And because of who they are, by saying that, that is radical. You know, we, we recently, we had a, a social thing at our church not too long ago. And, and then there was also a bit where one of our leaders who comes from a a Brahmin Hindu family and, and he's still part of that family and he, he loves Jesus and he's talking about the gospel for a few minutes, talking about how Jesus, who he is, what he's done for us and, and what we're talking about here today. And, he, and then after, afterwards, some of the friends who, who were there wanted to talk to him. But they didn't want to talk about what he said. It wasn't the great message. They just wanted to say, hey, how could you be the one to say this? In their mind, Brahmin Hindu, follower of Jesus, these are two things that don't go together. 
And they were just so curious. Because in, in our friend, they go together. And he loves Jesus. And they wanted to find out about that. And all he, all he had to, to, to be light, he just had to say, I follow Jesus. And he was light. And that happens in a lot of our lives. A way that God's wired us. And, and he uses us just to, to shine in that way. Um, recently I was talking to some friends in London uh, uh, and asking them about their spiritual journey. And reflecting back on when did they first begin to, to notice that Jesus was light. And one of them said it was the love and warmth they experienced when some faithful followers of Jesus were running a youth club. This wasn't our youth club. This was a number of years before our church was there. They were running a youth club, and, and they used to go in there, and they'd hear the Bible stories, but, but they just felt loved. And it made them want to know more. And they experienced the light of Jesus because some faithful Christians were running a youth club. And you know what that's like. You do your day at work and then you come home and, and you go out and, 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 and you serve and you run a youth club. And day in and day out. And that's, there's, a, there's a challenge in that. But they were faithful and they bore light through their doing of that. I asked somebody else about this. And they said that the first time they, they, they remember seeing the light of Jesus is you know, they were first in their bedroom and, and they were having this dramatic encounter where they saw a demonic evil presence that they thought was going to kill them. And out of nowhere into their mind popped this name, the God of righteousness. And they said, God of righteousness. And the, and the, the evil presence left. But it freaked them out. And so they were, uh, they were at their school, their classroom a little later and, and one of the teachers noticed there was a problem, and, and, and they, they shared this story. And that teacher was a follower of Jesus, and, and they took the risk of saying, you know, that word that came to mind, God of righteousness, that's what the God of the Bible calls himself. And they, they learned about Jesus that way. That teacher took a risk and was light. Another person uh, I asked about this, uh, when you first met the light of Jesus, they were caught up in a natural disaster halfway around the world from home. And, and they had, one of the people, the friends they'd left at home was a Christian. And that Christian got another Christian friend that this person didn't know and was praying for them because they knew that this natural disaster was happening. And, and they were worried about them. And they were praying to Jesus for them. And this person who was halfway around the world from these prayers that were going on was calling out to God and saying, God, where are you? Save me. And they felt silence. And then all of a sudden, they saw a picture of their Christian friend back at home praying to Jesus for them. And another person they had never met praying to Jesus for them. And God answered their prayer. And they realized Jesus loved them. And it moved them to to want to know more. It was two Christians being the light of Jesus simply by praying for a friend they were worried about. And I wish I could share more stories. We don't have time today, but being light means following Jesus in all these sorts of ways. Do you see how that's central to who we are? Our very core existence? It's a privilege. It's an honor. But watch out. It's so easy to hear this reminder as just one more thing that we got to do. I know we came in here busy today, 
And it can, you know, I don't know about you, but it feels like I'm juggling balls in life. And this great privilege of who we are can sound like another uh, ball that we need to juggle. And it can sound heavy. And we look at our lives, and if we're honest, we think, can I really be the light of Jesus when I thought that and I did that? Or we look at the, dark, the world around us, and there's a lot of brokenness. And it's overwhelming, and we feel this a lot in London. It, when, when we're out there in the world in our smaller groups, right, when we're not gathered together, it's, it's hard to feel like our light can somehow, the light of Jesus can, can have an impact. Can my light make any difference? And so it's really important to, to remember that we are, we are not producers of the light. We are reflectors of the light of Jesus, the unique light of Jesus. And the unique light of Jesus is sufficient to shine into the darkest part of this broken world. I have a bicycle in London, and half of the year it's very dark in London. And, I mean, it gets dark by like 4 p.m., and it's not light till like 8 a.m., and it's, it's hard. We kind of go into hibernation a bit during those times. But uh, I have these reflector bands that I put around my trousers so they don't get caught in my chain when I bicycle. But it's also so I don't get hit by a car. And, and the, the reflectors don't look like much, right? But when they're caught in the bright light of a headlamp, I saw it once. My son had them on, and I, I saw the, 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 the cars shining on it. I was amazed! They were bright. And that's like us and Jesus. We don't produce any light. We're just these reflectors that he's, he's rescued and brought into the light. And when we get close to him, we shine. Because he shines. And it's awesome. Remember the, the people in the Old Testament that were supposed to be you know, the people that were the light to the nations to reflect God's grace. And then the kings that you're studying about, Saul and David, they're supposed to be godly kings that are leading people in that light so the nations see the light. But how did that work out? Well, David did better than Saul. But David didn't always, you know, you're going to keep reading. He, he doesn't always do good, and I know you're talking about that. And David's kids, it's mostly bad news and not good news. I'm sorry to say, and you, you, you know that. And sometimes the people that are supposed to be light, they become just part of the dark world. And the people that, that, and, and, and the people that are still in the light, it just seems like they're scattered. And, and, and what's going to happen? And there's this pause in the story of, of God's plan to rescue the world. And we're wondering, where is the light going to come from? Like those boys in the cave. Am I ever going to be rescued? Is there going to be a rescue light that's coming? And then we hear in the book of Isaiah, and God talks about this mysterious servant who he says he's going to make a light for the Gentiles that, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. He's going to gather his people, and he's going to be the light, and he's going to enable them to be the light. And who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus. And we put up this slide at our, our, our worship every week. And it has a, a Devo, and we actually light a Devo, which is an Indian oil lamp, which culturally, it signifies that something important and spiritual is about to happen. And then we read this verse, which Jesus says in John chapter 8, 
I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's Jesus. And Jesus lived the life that we're meant to live. And then he died the death that we deserve to die. And then he rose again three days later to unleash the power of forgiveness and mercy that can make this whole world, it will make this whole world right one day. It's making it right, but one day that will be complete. And for those who now come under his mercy and grace are covered, no matter what we've said, no matter what we've thought, no matter what we've done, no matter how, how much brokenness in our lives, we come and we're covered and, and we become light with him. But it's only because of what he's done for us. And that is the gospel, brothers and sisters. That is the Jesus who's bright. And that is the message that we reflect. Do you know this Jesus today? Do you know him? Have you recognized that in this illustration of the cave, we never start as the people coming out of the darkness who are light for the boys? We are all those boys. We all start out in the dark. And we need to be rescued by the light of Jesus. Do you know him in that way today? And you, and you, and you say, but what about the other paths? What about the other paths that lead up the mountain that seem to be light? Well, take a look, closer look at what Jesus is offering. He's not just offering us wise advice about how to make your way up the mountain. He literally takes us and puts us on his back. And carries us to the top. And that's what he's done through the cross and resurrection. Are you sure that's the same salvation that others are offering? Look at Jesus. And you say, but what about all the the brokenness and mess and God's people are supposed to be light? And that's the pain caused, the darkness caused by those by us in the church, when we do not reflect the light of Jesus, it's a cause for mourning. And I know the wounds run deep. I know there's pain here because of that. And there's pain in the lives of people that aren't here because of the hurt they've experienced in here, not out there. And we need to mourn that. But the way through that mourning is not to reject the light. Because the ref- if the reflectors become muddy and, and they don't reflect the light, we don't, we don't stop looking at the light. Go closer to Jesus. What he offers is, is good enough to heal the deepest wounds. And one day, one day, there won't be any more darkness in his people. And if you know Jesus today, take heart. Take heart, friends, right? We don't have to be producers of this light. We don't have to leave today and think, how can I be bright enough today? What a burden that would be. It wouldn't make us much fun. Nobody's going to want to join that party, right? A bunch of people trying to produce light when they don't have it. So we just get to go at the foot of Jesus. And we get to turn once again and we get to sit with him and be reminded that he is a good Good, he, he brings us to a good, good father. And he is the one who loves us. And, 
He's the one that, that forgives us not because of anything we've done, but because of him. And my, my, again, not good at illustrations, but my wife gave me a great one. Because we just bought these solar-powered lamps for our backyard. And those lamps, man, they just sit in the sun all day. And they soak up the bright light of the sun. They would work much better here in California than they work where we are. Okay? But they soak up that light of the sun. And then at night, they just shine. And that's us. We stay close to Jesus. We're, 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 we're living out of the, the grace and mercy that he gives us. We shine. Not perfectly, but we shine. That's what we're being reminded of today. So we get to lean into that. We get to embrace it, not as a burden, but just being who we are. Loved by God, light for God. Loved by God, light for God. Two sides of the same coin. I take great heart in this, especially when I realize sometimes I'm most on display before the watching world in moments when I'm really not ready for it. Often those are parenting moments because we have kind of an open door policy in the, the evenings and we have lots of friends in the neighborhood and kids are running through our house. And it's great. It's crazy sometimes. It's great. But, you know, inevitably I'm kind of trying to parent in that chaos and I might be trying to lovingly remind my kids of the chores they need to do. And, and then I start to not be loving. And I start to be an angry dad who's a light of Jesus, but an angry dad. And then I realize, oh, I'm, I'm not just in a parenting moment. I'm in a light to the world moment, literally right now. People are watching my kids and others. And, and we find ourselves in those moments, don't we? And what do we do? Are we disqualified in those moments? No, because the very light that we're reflecting says there's grace for sinners in those moments. And I can, there's hope. It's humbling, but there's hope because I can simply say, guys, I'm sorry, I blew it. Jesus, forgive me. Thank you that, that you do. And we hold on to that. And that's often what it looks like to be light for Jesus. Well, we've looked at who we are and how we are. But let's just quickly, we're going to turn to where, where we reflect the light. We're, we reflect the light of Jesus in fellowships with global hearts. And the global hearts bit is pretty clear there in verse 14. We're the light to the world. In verse 15, it says the light goes to everyone in the house. And so we're called to be light in local community that has a global heart always. We don't get to pick and choose with that. It's not like some people have a special global heart and they're those kind and other people don't. We all do. That's part of what it means to be light is to have global hearts. And praise God for how he, he helps us see that in new ways. And we're always growing in that. And then we forget and we have to come back to, to it because our world shrinks I live in London. I just start thinking about London. I don't forget. I forget about Brentwood. I forget about Thailand. So I have to be reminded. And that's why we have Sundays like this where we can stop and be reminded. But the other part of it is that for, especially for Americans, we hear you are the light and we, and what we hear is I am the light. And, and that's true because 
Jesus' light is in each of us individually as we're scattered at work, at school, in our homes. And that's true. I, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. That's true. But the main way we're light is the you here. Because it's a y'all. I'm not from the south, but it's a you all are the light in Greek. And so what the picture is, is a city on a hill. How many cities do you know of one? A city is a group, sometimes big gathered, sometimes small gathered, but it's a group of followers of Jesus that are, that are being loved by God and loving each other. And as they do that, people who aren't in Christ see that love for one another and they say, what is making this possible? And then they get to know that God, the God that makes love like that possible is the God that offers salvation to them. So we need to ask ourselves, uh, is our light shining and how can it be covered? Well, it can be covered because sometimes our community isn't very genuine. You know, we, we don't really have, do we have fellowship? Are we ever really with each other? You know, can, can, are we really loving each other? And then sometimes it can go the other way. We, we're loving each other, but we're kind of huddled in the corner and we're so dense that we don't have holes in, in our group for, for people, who, our friends who don't know Jesus to come in and see the love that we have for each other. So we might as well not be light because there's nobody that doesn't know Christ that's close enough to see our lives to be able to see the light. So that goes, goes both ways. And as I finish today, I just want to talk about the, the, the way we learned this recently. Because our little church plant sent a team a couple years ago to serve with some partners in in India, and it was a great week. And God did lots of things. I'd love to tell you about that tomorrow night. But one of the things he did that week is one of the people on our team who loves Jesus has a, has a, fr- a, a relative that wanted to come who didn't know Jesus. And they wanted to come and visit some things there as well. And we thought, should we do this or not? And we said, yes, we'll do it. So, so we brought them along, and, and it wasn't like we were trying to convert them or anything. We just welcomed them in, and they kind of watched what we were doing, and they shared life with us, and they watched us. And at the end of the week, we, somebody asked them, well, what do you think about all this? And they said, you know, I really like it when you, you meet and, and you bow your heads and, like this, and, and you pour out your heart to God. They were close enough to our community to see us pray. So we were more light to someone that we brought with us. Or as much light as to any light we were sharing beyond us there. That's what happens when Jesus is in our midst. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're at work and that you are the light of the world. Lord Jesus, we confess that often we we, uh, we're full of darkness. Lord, thank you that you remind us that, that, that you're the source of forgiveness and mercy. and um, Lord, that you clean us off and you make us shine. Lord, keep us close to you. And I pray that you'd help us to not forget that we're people who are loved, but we're people who are light. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.